Hi, and welcome to My Podcast Knows What You Read in the Dark, a book club podcast made by chaotic people for chaotic people. I'm B. I'm Kristen. I'm Lady. And I'm Caitlin. And having uh, finished The Stolen Air, finally, uh, I was the last of the group, we now live in a post the stolen air world. Yeah. So <laughs> I think we need to talk about it. Yes. <laughs> or like I'm do. desperate to talk about it. Yeah, we need to talk about it before I explode. <laughs> Literally. I've been like holding all the thoughts in and yep. it's time to let them out and about. We talked about doing a stolen air like bonus episode pretty much the same day that the book came out. And we've just been like waiting on not only all of us to finish, but all of us to have time to record this. So we're all just like vibrating. We're like a, a, a soda bottle just waiting to be opened that somebody's been shaking up for a month. Literally. Yeah. And I remember a part of it, like I was waiting, like someone, uh, a family member had gotten the hardcover for, as a gift for me. And that's what I was waiting for. And I was waiting and waiting and waiting the post and was late. Oh and so then God. I caved, I caved and I bought it on Kindle Unlimited. Or not on Kindle Unlimited, <laughs> but I bought it on my Kindle just so I could start I reading. We all got it like super late. Like the hardcovers were pushed back a little bit. And yeah. like I got mine like a week after. Yeah, my yeah. hardcover came late and I ended up going and buy, I ended up going and buying the it on Kindle as well because I did not want to wait for my hardcover to come wait. in. No, I, you know what? I don't mind throwing all of my dollars at Holly. So. Yeah, she deserves it. Sacrifices exactly. must be made. Exactly. <laughs> uh, just in case anybody has any doubts, this will probably be a very spoilery episode. Um, if you do not want to be spoiled for the stolen air, if you haven't read it yet, maybe skip this bonus episode. Yeah, and there likely will be spoilers for all of Holly Black's other books that are in this same universe. So if you haven't read any of those and you plan on it, you probably want to skip also. Okay, so what were your just like first overall impressions? Well, you remember, I remember texting the group chat when I finally started and I spent, no joke, like 35 minutes staring at the map on, <laughs> on, on a Kindle, but trying to compare the map to like Google Maps or figure out Same. where things oh, were. I love fictional maps so much. Exactly. Books with fictional maps in them are absolutely top tier. They, they yes. cannot be beat. Oh, yeah. You are so right. Oh, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's part of like, I love it when there are maps, you know, in the beginning of the book or, you know, wherever in the book, but like the maps to kind of show you where things are going. It's just that extra level of world building that lets you know that the author cares yes and especially with holly black her books are all linked together somehow right so having read all of modern fairy tales and the darkest part of the forest and having read the folk of the air we can now pinpoint all of these things and where they are on the map which also coincides with north america and it's so fun to see yeah i know i know my, my specific location got hidden by a by the letters for the undying market but it's fine <laughs> i guess there's just nothing here Nobody cares about Canada. Yeah. Well, the Court of Teeth is here. Yeah. That's true. Which, I mean, just is so appropriate for you. <laughs> Especially right now. Oh, yeah. The, all the ice. Yeah. And the cold. Ooh. Oh, I feel like I have to point this out. So one of our listeners, Zoe, she's been reading uh, The Queen of Nothing. And she was messaging me about all the world building that Holly does Specifically when Jude is at the court of... She's like at the court of Teeth's camps or whatever. And Zoe was texting me about how she mentions stuff like reindeer, which 
honestly, they should be called caribou, but whatever. And <laughs> I think cloudberries was what she uh, what she mentioned. And there are things that are just that only grow or live up here in the north, like near the Arctic. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. 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 So just like little hints about where things are, even when they're not relevant to the specific book. Yeah. I mean, I noticed that in, in this book, in The Stolen Air, when especially discussion um, with the Court of Moths. And so literally, like another thing I ended up looking up was some of the some of the like flora and fauna mentioned being like man where do these palms show up like i want to make yeah. sure like which states really can sustain you know saw palmettos and such <laughs> it's fine we, we knew i was going to do this yeah and you know like me and zoe as like wildlife people would immediately go to the oh my god the reindeer oh my god the chlor- the, the cloud berries yeah. i like that because i know you like zoe had mentioned putting the book down so i hope i hope those little details just kind of added to yes sticking with it i will say like my first impression was like i i think i made this kind of clear in discord and stuff but i was like optimistic but also not optimistic going into this book because i was under the impression that it probably wasn't going to live up to the folk of the air for me because it's just it just sits on this high pedestal right like it's what got me back into reading everything and I was kind of surprised at how quickly that idea left me like yeah I was so glad I was wrong yeah I mean Mm -hmm. and it was soon it wasn't like it took me you know halfway through to get back in and to be like completely sucked in it was immediately I was like I feel like I'm back in this world and it's awesome and it lives up like the characters just grab you immediately. They do, yeah. And yeah. I think I think part of it helps that you kind of already kind of well, you know Oak, but you don't really because he was a yeah. kid. Um, and so, but even all these new characters, they have they have just as much personality as all of the ones from the other books. Yes, I mean, and that's so for me. The very first thing getting into it, you know, when you're you know, following Surin, Holly has changelings in all of, like, in each of her series. You know, in Modern Fairy Tales, there's one in, you know, there's a changeling in the darkest part of the forest. Um, there's reference to the changelings happening in the Folk of the Air. And, you know, Jude and Taryn represent, uh, like, a perversion of, kind of, changeling, especially kind of in... like an anti-changeling. Exactly, like an anti-changeling. Um, and so for me, I think that was part of the... You know, there's there's this whole element throughout the whole book. I mean, Surin is not human. And so it's always hard, I think, sometimes when you're reading certain fiction to identify with the non-human aspects of characters sometimes, especially like the emotions, the emotional part of things. Um, but that even from the get-go and even the, I think the very first or second chapter, I mean, just the amount of, uh, I don't know, the, the humanizing elements of of Surin in the fact that like what she relates to her memories of of being a changeling child and like how that happened and what happened and then I mean let's be honest like the rejection and she just becomes this rejected baby and I'm like oh come here yes. broken child you just want to like cuddle her in your arms yeah. let me add you to my broken child collection you have lots of friends here misfit toys here you go yeah yes. exactly in a way, she's kind of the opposite of Jude, where Jude does not remember the mortal realm at all. Yeah. Like, or if she does, it's just like tiny little things. She doesn't like associate with that world at all. Whereas for Surin, basically, she had these two people who 
are her parents who just came up to her randomly and just went like, no, actually, you're a monster. You're not human. These people are not your parents. And even worse, like, they made her parents act as if they didn't like, they didn't love her anymore. Yeah. Oh, that, that hurts so much. One minute she's human and the next she's, like, suddenly a monster and she has to, like, come to grasp, like, that reality. Well, I think it's a really good contrast between, like, Surin and Jude because Jude, like, so desperately wants to be that monster. Like, yes. she is idolized like i don't want to say idolized because that's not really the right way but for lack of a better word she's like idolized this mentality that the folk have and she wants to be like accepted in this world and survive so she has kind of put into her mind that the best way to do that is to become more and more like them and surin wants the exact opposite of like i don't want to be this person. I want to go back to my mortal family. I want to go back to the people that cared about me. And like, it's such an interesting contrast because on paper, they kind of seem very similar. You know, they have very like similar unhinged traits and are very much like each other. But then you get into the thing of like, what are really their core motivations? And they're completely different. I think it's like, it's kind of like you said, like Jude romanticizes the folk where Saren yeah. despises them like it all comes down to and I think it shows a lot too about just how like Jude was raised I mean people want to talk about like Maddox and all of them but I mean even though she had like a quote-unquote tough time he loved her in his way he loved her yeah he loved her and like he raised her in I mean, we can go on and on about it, but in a good enough way to where she felt at home there, despite yeah. not having who she thought were her parents. Whereas Surin, she had a loving family only to be told it wasn't real and she had to go with those parents who are not good people and who don't really love her. Right. Yeah. And so I think it really shows up as well in like Surin's magic. So not just the curse breaking, but her issues with the glamour. Like the fact that like the the way that her glamour is taken off when she's kind of re-kidnapped back by her yeah. actual parents is so traumatizing. Like just the trauma through it, you know, where her entire world is like turned on its head and she's completely like completely rejected yeah. by her parents. And so she like, you know, whether intentionally or not, or it's just kind of like blocked mentally or whatever it is, but like she can't do that glamour. And I think she doesn't want to. Like there's later points where there's definitely like Oak uses glamour or I think um, uh, someone else uses glamour. And she holds that kind of magic like with disdain. Like she has such yeah. disdain for that type of magic and that kind of like trickery. And I think that also then obviously feeds into you know, like Jude's reaction is like, you're this bad, I'm going to be worse. And Sir, all of Surin's magic is defiance of fairy, right? Yeah. Like, like, tr like being able to, whether it's by her teeth, you know, tear apart a curse or whatever it is, like she's so like hers is defiance in the sense of like rejecting fairy. Yeah. And and just and part of that is, you know, you imagine the the magic imbued in, in so many things, including including like, you know, the the curses that mortals are making, 
And that's powerful magic, right? Like, like bargains are powerful magic and she can break them. It, like you hear that from the get-go and you're like, oh, she's super powerful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the moment where she breaks the falcon curse. Mm-hmm. I knew from the moment that they introduced Hyacinth and as this like half falcon creature, I was like, mm-hmm. she's going to break it. She's exactly. got it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh, and the Pledge of Loyalty. Uh, oh, I was no like, God. <laughs> I was like, ooh, girl, you're going to have a little army? You're going to have one. Yes. Some of them are not going to be very happy to be there, but... <laughs> They're going to be there on the front lines. They're going to be there. So do we want to get into like our little talking points and go yeah. through those and see what stems? The most important talking point. Oak is hot. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> Why is he so hot? Holly Black. Holly Black had no right. No right to make him this hot. I am normally not about hooves kind of thing. And it was just like, nope, doesn't matter. I was just yeah. like, dang. Honestly, though, and this is also like super judgment on me. Like uh, when they're in the Court of Moths and he does the blank stare, like oh, murder. My and God. he's like doing this dance, this murder dance. And I'm like, holy shit. Listen, <laughs> when he smiles with blood in his teeth, I was like, oh, feral. My God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole thing with like, what, it's a, is it a, I can't remember, is it a troll? Hold on, I've got it highlighted. I'm pulling it. I did too. I'm pretty sure it's an ogre. Yeah, ogre or giant or something. Maybe, yeah. It's an ogre. I got it. When he asks him to hit, to him, hit again, him again, I was lost. <laughs> I was thirsting. My little note on that paragraph says, oh no, dot, 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 dot. I want him so bad. (laughs) Mine just says sexy in all caps. (laughs) He grew up so fucked up. I love it. It's amazing. (laughs) It's so hot of him. Well, and especially you remember in Queen of Nothing, right? Ju- or yeah, beginning of Queen of Nothing, like Jude is exiled and she makes this reference about training Oak, you know, mm-hmm. and like he hates it. He's like, why do I have to do this? And I don't want it. And you imagine like seven year old Oak just being like, oh, this stinks. And I just want it. Like, why can't we just play with sticks and make it fun? Every seven year old you've ever met, you know? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Reading all of that and like hearing about the training. And I didn't actually think of Maddox in the sense of training him, even though I knew that that was possible. But I just remembered those lines from uh, the Queen of Nothing of Jude, like, stepping in and training Oak. And you're like, oh, he kept training. Yeah. (laughs) He has this line in The Stolen Air where he's like, they didn't train me to fight. They trained me to kill. They trained me to survive. And it's so sad. Like, this poor child. Yeah, it is sad. And then you get to some of the, like memories all well, the comments from from oak and then also like the memories from surin about just like the assassination attempts and all of this yeah. stuff and you like you i mean it made perfect sense i was like yeah of course that would happen right like as soon as it became known that he was you know greenbrier blood like he became a pawn on you know all those little strategy maps yeah. and i can imagine him like wanting to hold out with that like same kind of seven-year-old pacifist mindset of like well i'm never going to be king my sister and Carden are our king and queen and they're gonna have kids and i'm gonna you know whatever but then getting to this state of people not accepting that in the way that he wants them to like in his child mind it makes sense it makes perfect logical sense and people should just leave him alone but that's not how any of this works so it ends up that he becomes this target and has to completely like change his mindset in order to survive or you know he risks literally dying 
And I think that really is like the whole like she sees she mentions how he has this blank stare. I was like, he's compartmentalized this. Oh yeah, right. Oh, like yeah, he's he wants to be the happy like joking like uh, little boy. Although <gasps> I remember, oh, there was that line where we have confirmation that Oak knew he was glamoring Jude to hit herself. Yes, and I was like, you little shit. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> this is so funny too because I have the the line right in front of me here. And it's really funny that Oak, like, says that. I glamored my mortal sister. I made her hit herself. And then Surin thinks, I wonder which sister he'd glamored. I hope not the one who sat on the throne now. His life in her hands. Girl. We knew <laughs> from the book of the year that it is her, too. Yeah, I know. I know. That was my, like, favorite part is all of Surin's assumptions about, like... They're so bad. They're so perfect. Yes, yes. Because some of them are so funny Going into this one, seeing all of these little snippets of information that, like, Surin either misunderstands or only has part of was so great. Because you, as someone who is coming in from reading The Folk of the Air, you're going to see all of this stuff and know, like, some of her opinions are complete and total bullshit because you've seen these characters in action. You know what they can do. It's unreliable narration at its finest. And it's perfect irony. Like, it's actual irony. And I love that. The part where she's, like, talking about how Cardin clearly, like, would plot to kill Oak or something. You're just like... This man would never do that. He does not have the, like, he doesn't have the ambition to do that. He's kind of just there because his wife is there. Yeah. Well, then you have that, which is the polar opposite of, uh, Surin said that she'd heard a rumor that Cardin pulled the wings off of a fairy because they wouldn't bow, which is completely true. But she's like, oh, well, that's just insane. Yes. It's amazing. That really happened. (laughs) That was my favorite Jordan-centric line was that specific one about the fairy thing because, like, I think it's Tiernan says it as like a a way to dismiss Hyacinth's reservations about Jude and Cardin. He's like, oh, he heard horrible rumors about the king. He heard that he pulled somebody's wings off for not bowing to him. And I'm sitting here like, bro, he did. Bro. I saw it. <laughs> I was there. My other favorite one is I think it's Oak who says that, who's like, oh, yeah, she would like she would wear your skull as a hat. And then Cardin would just be laughing his ass off in the background. Yes. That was my like, favorite. Oak too. has it right. But the thing that amazes me is that that shows you just how removed the court of teeth is, even when she's there. And then, honestly, before that, like, Surin's only part of the Court of Teeth for, like, what, two years tops or something like that? Yeah. You know, where she's been a happy, like, mortal (laughs) changeling child. It's wonderfully written in terms of, like, irony, in terms of that unreliable narration, because, you know, she, she would not know. She shouldn't know. And everything she has known has been in super traumatic, you know, trauma brain processing, you know. <laughs> so, you know, she's going to miss a lot of, like, key details because her brain literally is just focusing on, like, survival. And it's just, it's so well written. Is just so, like, one, actually two more touches on Oak being hot because I haven't moved on. <laughs> <laughs> no, we. That's fine. I, I'm looking through my notes, and the first comment that I made about Oak and this particular thing was 22% in. And this is the part that made me say, Oh my God, Oak grew up and got hot. And it says, Lady Wren, Oak says, a smile on his mouth, marigold hair brushing his forehead, half hiding his horns. You wound me. I was like, You're not allowed. Mine is on page 37 
And she said, if I look at him too long, I want to take a bite out of him. And my note says, bitch, me too. The fuck? Relatable. <laughs> it's just so crazy. In all of her weirdness, Ren is, like, so relatable. Oh, my God, yeah. This whole, like, unhinged, like, I want to squeeze something. I want to bite something. I want to tear apart all of him. Yeah. Girl, I get it. Yeah, there's a part where she says, it's too easy. I'm hungry for kindness, hungry for attention. I want and want and want. And, like... I mean, yeah, we all are like that. Yeah. At one point she says, I want to lick those scratches I made on him. And I'm just like, girl. We love an unhinged queen. Yeah. Yes. Um, Speaking of hot, I know Caitlin was like thirsty (laughs) for Tiernan. Yeah, we have to talk about Tiernan. We have to talk about it because I desire him carnally. Tell me more. What about him? What like, tell me more. Let's just let's just lay this out. Tell me why. First of all, this description right here. I study the night. His expression is stiff, his broad shoulders set, a thin dusting of stubble darkens his jaw. His short black hair appears unbrushed. I wonder how long he remained in the prisons and how quickly he had to dress because of it. First of all, Mm -hmm. character description, yes, yes, yes. Check, 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 check. And then the line, I wonder how long he remained in the prisons and how quickly he had to dress because of it. Because that's at the point when Hyacinth, his partner, is down in prison. So he has gone down there and basically she is assuming that he has spent all day down there with his beloved who doesn't even fucking want him at this point. Who is mad at him. You better stop. Yes. So he spent all day down there and only rushed back upstairs to dress for the party because he knew he was expected to go. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding me? These characters are so good. Like, even the side characters are amazing. Oh Jack of the Lakes is hilarious. Yes. It's <laughs> so funny. And they, like, come out of nowhere. It's just, like, you meet this character on a, on the page, and then in two more pages, you're in love with them. Like, it, oh, it's yeah. so crazy how quickly Holly can make you fall in love with her characters so simply. Yeah. I mean, even from the very beginning, just the the kind of, like nitpicking and like little snide comments and just back and forth between Tiernan and Hyacinth it's like oh yeah (laughs) yeah you you knew from the beginning there was something there yep and then like as it goes on you're like oh there's a lot to unpack here oh yeah you guys need a counselor oh yeah (laughs) a couple's counselor a lot of people in this book needed a counselor let's just oh yeah (laughs) this is like a regular thing with our books y'all need therapy yeah I mean, yeah, before this book was released, I said, I hope Oak got therapy, and he did not clearly did get not therapy at all. <laughs> he just got no. worse. He got he suicidal. You'd say, if I cannot be better than them, I will become so much worse. And he was like, I want to do that. Yeah. Does he get worse than them, or does he get just like more pathetic and I will try to kill myself kind of thing at every opportunity? Like, oh, someone wants to murder me? Sure, I'll I'll help them, I guess. I think he's a combination. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I think he's a little bit of, like, because Cardin has that recklessness. You know, so much of, like, Cardin's drinking and carousing and, like, you know, both, I mean, both Cardin and Jude are trying to, like, piss people off to get a reaction kind of thing. Yeah. But, like, but, like Cardin has that recklessness. Jude's recklessness is... Like, she's mortal, so she's more prone to actually dying. But yeah, I think there's a quite a bit of, like, that recklessness that Oak gets from Cardin as well. If I didn't know any better, I would swear that um, Oak was Jude and Cardin's child. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, he kind of has to be, because 
I mean, Maddox can't be in fairy. And to some extent, Oak has to be in fairy, just in the sense of having, you know, some protection. Uh, so I think there's quite a bit of time that he's spending in court. And so, I mean, he's absolutely like his family that he's going to hang out with is Juden Carden. The absolute worst parents, literally. And so he's going to be getting all sorts of, you know, ideas and also like spy training and whatnot. I loved seeing Oak and Maddox. Like the conversations between Oak and Maddox. Yes. Just the back and forth. I was like, oh, this is what we missed. Maddox wreaking havoc on the apartment complexes in the mortal realm. That was the best <laughs> line possible. That line where they talk about how some lady, because of him, some lady stabbed someone else with a yes. pen in the throat. Yes. <laughs> okay. I also really like, because it's a completely different perspective, like constantly in the folk of the air, Maddox is underestimating Jude. And mm -hmm. even whenever she has become the queen of fairy, he says, like, I didn't think you could rise any higher. He is constantly underestimating her. And I don't know if it's necessarily because he has watched Oak grow up a little bit differently than Jude did, that he doesn't seem to be as underestimating as he is with, with Jude. But it may be also that, like, he knows now what Jude is capable of and knows how much of an influence she has had on Oak. And not to mention his own influence kind of like compounding into this unstoppable force, basically, whenever Oak puts his mind to it. Mm -hmm. I liked Maddox, um, what little there was, like his interactions with um, Ren, because yeah. there was a part towards the end that made me um, think back to Jude. Because he, he's talking about, um, you know, Ren, you know, wanting to bring down like her parents and not want to do what they want and all this stuff. And he says, um, all grown up and come to devour your maker. I can't say as I blame you. And it just gave me flashbacks to Jude poisoning Maddox and being like, I am yeah. what you made me. Yeah. Um, like it was just like those little things that bring you back to an, a moment in the past that kind of are a parallel, but they're also different because Jude and, um, you know, Ren have different goals in what they're trying to do. But yeah, I don't know. I, Matic being in this story was like a, a breath of fresh air. Like, I loved him in the other books, and I was so glad yeah. that he made an appearance. I love him so much. I love Madoc in general. If Madoc has no fans in this world, I am dead. <laughs> yeah, somebody has taken both Lady and I out. Yeah, I love him. I want him. I want him everywhere. Yeah. But also about this book, like, sure, there are parallels with The Folk of the Air, but I think it still works as a good standalone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't think you would necessarily, if you hadn't read The Folk of the Air, I don't think you would necessarily miss much. You might be a little confused at some of the references. It might not be your favorite book ever. Yes, but you could definitely read this without having the background. Because as far as, you know, somebody coming into this book with no knowledge of The Folk of the Air is concerned, all of this information that Ren is giving is enough background, at least from her perspective, on Jude and Cardin and the High Court. And all of the information that we have coming in from the Folk of the Air is like, yeah, the correct information. But it doesn't necessarily mean that like it makes this book more enjoyable. Yeah. Right. I went into this book not wanting Jude and Cardin to be very much into it. And I'm very happy with the outcome where they are into it and the like little snippets that you get from them and their life are yeah. still enjoyable, but it doesn't change in any way 
the canon of their story, yeah. which I really appreciate because I did not want them to be like a big part of this book. And I know they're going to be probably a, l- a little bit more into the next one, obviously, but yeah. Well, and I didn't, I didn't want, I was so worried about hearing, you know, the, the like stereotypical epilogue versions. And yes. I, I am, I am of the camp where, and we kind of talked about it as well, but I was like, I didn't want a Jordan pregnancy just yeah. to have one, you know, and I didn't want, you know, like, some happily ever after i was like we are in fairy we have a mortal queen and this like fell into it ass backwards prince who became king there's not going to be any like calm you know easygoing reign you know in this time span in a way it makes sense that you know oak thinks that they're holding out on having kids because he's there but in a way it makes sense that i don't think they're waiting for him to get the crown. I think they just don't really know what to do because, I mean, obviously they wouldn't want to give this responsibility. I don't think Jude wants to get this responsibility onto Oak, necessarily, seeing how many people are trying to kill them all the time. Right. Especially, like, you know, at this point, she's been on the throne for, you know, what, like a decade? So, I mean, she's well more well acquainted now with how it's going to be when, if and when Oak is high king so she's probably like even more so not wanting him to take this role i I feel like it's a hard choice that it's good that they didn't like that the ollie black didn't include that straight up in the first book like it's a hard choice for them to have kids when they know they're getting like threats to their lives all the time and like people threatening to kill oak as well like why would jude want to put oak on the throne if He's still her brother that she loves. If you know that he's, first of all, he might not be ready for it, but also like she's kind of that kind of person who would rather put herself into harm's way rather than put a loved one into harm's way. So why would yeah. she give the throne to Oak? Absolutely. And yeah, I and I also agree that like I'm really glad that there was like I I I absolutely loved all of the little insights because most of the insights that we got into Jordan was stuff we already knew. Like Oak saying, you know, the folk, uh, the folk love Cardin and they're terrified of my sister. Like we already <laughs> knew all of that. Yeah, we didn't need him to say it. No, we already knew that. Cardin himself is terrified, so. Yeah. <laughs> like we didn't get any new information that like was groundbreaking or changed their story in any way, which is one good from the perspective of like, I didn't want that canon to change behind my back. I did not want it to be retconned into changing and like have a, in the intermittent years holly just be like oh just kidding they do this this and this now you know but also i like that it is it is oak and Surin's story through and through like we're not getting jordan 2.0 just because and I, you know holly could have written it and we would have all loved it because everybody yes. loves the folk of the air so much and it became so popular not only getting popular on like book talk but i've seen people everywhere talking about this book there are people who act like The Folk of the Air was Holly Black's either her first works or like her first popular work, which yeah. is not the case at all. No. Like this woman has been writing books for 20 years, maybe yeah. more. Yeah. And she knows how to write a good story. And people who were afraid, like, I don't know, I was never afraid that this book was going to be bad. No. I was afraid that fandom culture would influence how this book turns out yes Mm -hmm. yeah i was afraid of and i was also afraid of 
I, I knew Holly could tell a good story, but I didn't know how it was going to be as far as like maintaining the story that she already had. So yeah. like we've kind of talked about like, you know, we didn't want her to change the canon behind our backs and blah, blah, blah. That's what I was afraid of. Like I was afraid that we were going to, I was going to jump into the stolen air and everything I thought I knew about Jude and Carden was going to be false. They have like a litter of six little sex tuplets where they God. all have little tails. Yeah. So like, which I mean, no. <laughs> No, <laughs> I mean, cute. thanks, but no, it, it'd be cute fan art. I don't want that, like, no, in reality, or, yeah. So, so I was very happy to know that that's not what happened. And then, you know, like we've already said before, like, just the story by on its own was like completely like it didn't need Jude and Carden to be successful, like, it wasn't built on the backs of them, it existed yeah. on its own, yeah, which was really These characters awesome. are great, they just are by themselves. Yeah. I love them just as much as I love Jude and Carden and Taryn and all of them. Like they're they're just as good and in some ways just as flawed. Yeah, right, right, right. Well, I think part of that is, you know, not even just the world building, but the actual like storyline in in the sense that it there was a whole different set of circumstances and a whole different set of magic, you know? the the kind of ancient tale with you know uh, of Bogdana and her daughter and and the heart and so because of that you know it's a whole different set of magic to to work through and a whole different set of puzzles and it wasn't it wasn't the same you know the same challenge and and it was like there was all this extra you know this whole extra side to to Surin's story that was not just oh you know changeling queen child of the court of teeth like we had to like discover this whole part of Surin's life and so does she and um you know so it's it's not just her her as the stolen child and her like human family it's not just the like issue you know the the very terrible relationship with her mom who she can't even call mom she has to call lady nor you know like yeah um because it's not her mom uh but yeah like the, the i think part of it is also just because it did there was this whole different set of magic you know and and also just the whole different a whole different set of relationships not to like make everyone cry again but like the phone call in oh the my bus stop not the phone call. Call. you can't bring that up i did i had to uh, <laughs> You know, just in terms of like again, like this whole other element of family, this whole other element of magic, and you know, we can sit there and cry the fact that she's very short conversation and not a good one, you know, and and we can cry at this like even after all those years that you know attempted connection for family, you know, um, between Surin and her not surrogate mom, but you know, her human mom, yeah. her unmom, unmother, unmother. I think it's like really interesting because i saw a couple people talking about how much they thought that you know Siren was just this like repeat of jude and being like feral absolutely and not. absolutely not like i completely completely and totally do not agree because oak and Siren so much represent foils of jude and cardin because oak is very much cardin in personality and demeanor and the way that he is like just this fairy simply to his core but he is jude through and through mm -hmm. jude in recklessness yes mm -hmm. he is reckless 
the way that he attacks a problem, literally attacking it first and considering it later, like, he is so much like her and so much this, like, combination of the two of them. And then you have Surin on the other side, who is very much like someone who wants to be accepted by the people that she was given to. She wants to be accepted by the humans and wants to live in that world. And she is also this like very much a foil of the two of them because she is Jude, but the opposite. Like she doesn't want to be accepted by fairies. She doesn't want to fit in there. She wants to go back to her human life and her human family. But then she also has this like kind of feralness that is very much like Jude at the same time. I thought that they were great like to be these very distinctive standalone characters outside of Jude and Cardin. Well, honestly, mm. I identified a lot of Ren, Ren like with Cardin, the abandonment, yeah, the yeah. reluctant monarch, the being abused. Yeah, but like and and learning far too quickly that like the older fairies, right, have a, you know, have a one-upping on you, right? Remembering like Surin yeah. and like not understanding magic at all and magic like stripping her from her human family. And Cardin not understanding political, you know, machinations and getting in trouble, you know, Dane getting him in trouble in terms of the the yeah. arrow, you know, uh, like they both have these, you know, they these they both have abandonment. They both have the, you know, being forced to wear a crown in one way or another um, and and having to, like, come to terms with that and to reckon with it and and having to adapt I also love how there was like a a side comment about Oak saying that he put the crown on Cardin's head or something, mm-hmm. and that he if he were Cardin he would be, still be pissed about it or something like yes. I don't remember exactly what the comment is, <laughs> yes. but he's like uh, just like joking about the fact that he put the crown on his head like yeah he's such a little shithead I love him <laughs> I can just picture Oak going around and just being like. You're welcome for crowning you, and Carter's oh. just like, I I would rather you don't. Yeah. Like, I literally didn't want this, but thanks. Yeah. <laughs> You're next. Yeah. yeah. You're fucking next. He's like, I might just drop myself off the side of the brug so that I you can be next. Literally. And then, and then Oak is like, I'll do it first so that I don't have to be next. Yes. <laughs> Jude chains them both to a chair. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Only one of them is into it. Yeah. Okay, do we want to discuss the ending and then we'll get to our game so we can get wrapped up? Sure. To discuss the ending, we can just like insert like a long scream. Just like, scream. Uh, yeah. I want a scene where Jude gets the news about Oak. <laughs> can that be like the, um, like the prologue for the second one? Yeah. Sorry, getting the news. I want Maddox to be a shitty diva. And demand an audience with the king and queen to give the news. <laughs> because I want Maddox to be able to just relish in, like, like the comeuppance or whatever of, like, yeah. Like, this you fucked up is too. fucked. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what would make that scene even better? Is if Jude agreed to this, like, meeting or whatever, this parlay with Maddox. But she made him, like, stand all the way across the fucking field. So he had to yell. <laughs> <laughs> he has a megaphone yes you know those scenes like where people get like a letter or something and then like mm-hmm. they get so mad that they like rip it or crumble it in their hands like that's all i can picture is like yeah her holding this letter and like poor Cardin is just sitting there like oh god i need yeah. to leave 
like eye twitching, <laughs> crumble the paper in your hands slowly. <laughs> like, yeah, and then the camera just pans over to Carden, like pouring a glass of wine. Handing her the glass of wine and just pouring the carafe down his throat. <laughs> Literally. Well, there's a scene in the office where um, Angela, like, at, like, dumps this huge pile of ibuprofen in her hands. Oh, and yeah. she goes to take, she's like, I'm just preparing. <laughs> like, that would be, that would be Carden if, if this yeah. happened. I, like, I, I figured out what was going to happen. But boy, did I love it happening. Like, reading yeah. through it. Like, I was just cheering for all of it and yeah just the whole like the shenanigans and the you know the double triple quadruple trickery yeah <laughs> quick aside quick aside the riddles yes i yeah. love the riddles i saw the riddle the first riddle and i paused and i had to solve it before i continued on oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. holly black is so good at doing like fairy riddles and stuff yeah there's mm-hmm. one in iron side as well that's really good it's like the whole plot like relies on that and the one in this book was so good too sarah j mass take notes yeah i know seriously. right sarah uh. j mass is like the uh the skyrim like oh i think i need to put this block with a whale on it in the hole that's labeled with a whale <laughs> that's so accurate yeah I mean, that's, I, I like, when we were talking about maps earlier, like, that's one of my biggest pet peeves with Akatar is that it's lazy map making. Yeah. Um, which, to be fair, a lot of people do lazy map making, but, like, it's it's lazy map making and lazy stereotyping. And whereas, like, Holly, like, we know that it's the, the East Coast. Yeah. Uh, but just even that, like, switching it just enough that it doesn't quite face north, mm-hmm. you know, and making it the perspective of, like, not someone who's living in the united states used to see the united states mapped out you know like what would it look like to someone who doesn't live here you know and like turning it just on its side yeah um the ending of this book i am not one to really sit and just like stare at the end of a book but i absolutely did like sit there and stare off into space for probably about five minutes of just like well, what the fuck are we gonna do now? <laughs> Holly, you don't have to yes. put two bad bitches against each other. We don't, don't have to. They can be friends. <laughs> they can be friends. It was literally the scene at the end of Finding Nemo with all of the um, fish in the bags in the ocean. Yes. Like that was, was now what? What? <laughs> like what am I supposed to do? <laughs> when does this next book come out? I have to wait at least a year, and yeah. like I don't know what to do now. She's officially officially announced it. By the way, I can't remember what yes. it is, but I saw somebody post about it. Yeah, she did. I think she put it on Instagram. The but, Prisoner's yeah. Throne. Yeah, the Prisoner Throne. Two thousand and twenty-four. God, mm-hmm. for fuck's sake. It feels like it's been a century since this book came out. It's been a month. It's been one calendar month. One calendar month. I don't even think it's been a month yet. Oh, no, it's been a month like... Today. Yeah. Today, yeah. Like, it's literally been one calendar month, and I do feel like I read it six months ago. I need to read it again. If you're listening. about this, and I need to read it again. I know, right? Yeah, but yeah, I agree with Kristen. Holly, if you're listening, Holly, can we talk for a second? Please, (laughs) turn on the location. I just want to talk. They can be friends. They can. We don't like. It's like we've already said. You don't have to pit them against each other. Like yeah. they can be besties and destroy yeah. the world together. Hell yeah! yeah. Mm. I would live to see that. They, they both hate fairies. So, so there you go. And then Cardin and Oak can just like 
chill in the background. Yeah, Holly, have my life. people call your people. Yeah, literally. Is Oak we'll gonna have scars? Up. I want to know. Is Oak gonna oh, have scars? Yeah. Well, Oak already has scars all over his body, which is I also know. so hot. Oh yeah, my there's God. literally a scene about Ren talking about how she wants to trace the map of his scars. Oh yeah, I was gonna say, mm-hmm. are we gonna have like scar tracing? Like, oh my God, we can't. We got it. We got it. We got to wrap it up. We cannot go down this lane again because I will talk about it for literal hours. I think it's hours. been an hour. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we've been recording for almost an hour. We planned for this episode to be like 30 to 45 minutes shorter than a regular one. And Who we've already that? recorded for an Who hour. Who thought it was going to be just 30 minutes? What we get. It's what we I get. I spent yeah. 35 minutes staring at the map. Like, you think I can sum up this book? <laughs> we are on a tight schedule. Ugh. Okay, are we going to play our game? Yeah, let's play yes. this game so we can be free. And then we can just, we can just, we can just talk without the recording. We don't, like, thank you guys for listening, but we don't, we won't need you here for this next part. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think that we should play Fuck, Mary Kill with the characters of both the Folk of the Air and the Stolen Air. So each of us are going to present a group of three characters from either the Folk of the Air, the Stolen Air, or a mix of both. And we're going to present them to the others and let them tell us whether they would fuck, marry, or kill those characters. I'm going to go first. So my three characters that I have are Maddox, Vivian, and Oak. Oh, that's hard. That is hard. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, I think I've got mine. Okay, lady, go ahead. I would marry Oak. I would fuck Maddox. And I would kill Vivian. Okay. (laughs) Kristen, yours is the same? Yeah. <laughs> B? Um, not to get into it too much, but, like, marrying Maddox is a bad idea. Bad idea. Yeah. I mean, yes, but, like, he provides. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he will provide for any kids that you have or have exactly, had before. right? There's definitely a sense of, like, obligation somewhere in there. Um... Oh, Vivi doesn't deserve to die. That's part of where I'm I like know. conflicted. But also, Vivi would be horrendous to be married to. Like, I would oh, lose God. my fucking mind. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but would she be a good one night stand? I don't know. You got to think about these things. I just heard Maddox and thought, well, I know that yeah. one. Yeah. I mean, yeah, same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just Daddy Maddox. Yeah. Yeah. B, who are you fucking? <laughs> oh. Yeah, I'd probably do the same, Mary Oak. Fuck Maddox. Kill Vivi, even though she doesn't deserve it. Yeah, that was mine too. I can't believe we're all the same on this one. Yes, we're all in agreement on this one. So it would be Mary Oak, fuck Maddox, and kill Vivian. Sorry, Vivian. <laughs> <laughs> all right, lady, you want to go next with yours? Sure. Mine is Taryn, Nikasia, and the bomb. Oh. Yeah, I got mine. I'm going to kill Taryn, uh, fuck Nicasia, marry the bomb. Same. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm in agreement with you on that one. What's yours, lady? Yeah, same. You're going to kill Taryn, really? Just because just cause Nicasia sounds more fun. Yeah. And Taryn is not a good person to be married to? No. Yeah, Locke <laughs> knows the answer to that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Not only that, but... I'm not ready to be a stepmom. I don't want to be anybody's mom. Sorry, Taryn. I cannot be the mother of your your child for you. True, true. All right, Kristen, you got a grouping? Yeah, I do. 
Go for it. Um, so we have Cardin, Rin, or Tiernan. No! Why did you do this to me? Your second one's Ren? Yeah. I hate this, but I, I have mine. I hate this so much. I have mine too. Lady, you go ahead. Fuck Cardin, obviously. Marry Tiernan and kill Ren. I hate that I have to do it, but... Yeah. Mine is um the opposite. Mine's Mary Carden, fuck Tiernan, and kill Ren. We love you, Ren. We love you. We love you. But I'm just sorry you don't stack up in this grouping. I'm sorry you don't have a tail. Yeah, I'm sorry. I wanted it to be a challenge. Yeah. B? I had more of like choosing your side characters. Uh, but Tiernan, Hyacinth, and Jack of the Lakes. Oh, this is a good one. This is a good one. Fuck Tiernan, marry Hyacinth, and kill Jack of the Lake. That was mine. Yeah. Yep. I was yeah. kind of holding out the lady that you might fuck Jack of the Lakes just because <laughs> shenanigans. No, no, he's too much of a no. Yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement. See, I thought Caitlyn would pick Jack of the Lakes too because her chaoticness. Yeah, but no. We all know that Tiernan has my heart. Always I mean, it's not even a fair thing because you know that it's just going to be an open marriage with <laughs> like a, a thruple with Tiernan. And exactly. Hyacinth. You get both. Exactly. Yeah. To end this episode, I was thinking we could all have everyone's favorite quote. Does everyone have a favorite quote from this book? I don't. I think I've got one. Let me pull up my. When you notes. said favorite quote, my, I immediately went to my favorite quote from The Folk of the Air, and I was like, yeah, baby, I got that locked and loaded. <laughs> but no, this book, I gotta look. Give me a minute. I have mine. Sometimes life gives you the terrible gift of our own wishes come true. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. My favorite quote from the book that I highlighted and then, like, circled is, it is hard to explain the savagery of hope. Oh, that's mm. so good. That's good. from page 40. Yeah. It's so early on. Yeah. I've got mine. Okay. So mine is at the very end. It's on page 323. And it's, my greatest weakness has always been my desire for love. It is a yawning chasm within me. And the more I reach for it, the more I'm easily tricked. Mm. That's a good one. Good. I don't have one. You just like the whole book. I know. An honorable mention is it is my curse to adore cruel women. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we just end on this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. One of my favorite quotes, I mean, I can't find like a really, really good, meaningful ones, but I let me try and find. Oh, okay. So stop waiting. And it's the the line about like sink those pretty little teeth into something when Maddox yes. like egging her yes. on and I'm like, Maddox. Yes. 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 Love that. So normally this is where we would list the books that we discussed this episode, but as you're probably aware, we only talked about Holly Black books. So I don't think there's much of a need for us to do that. Because this is a bonus episode, we don't know when it is coming out, so we don't know when our next one will be. It could be, you know, that this episode comes out next week, and it could come out in six months. So we'll never know. But we want to thank you all so much for listening. And if you have anything that you would like to submit or any questions that you want to ask about The Stolen Air or other books, our email is redinthedarkpod at gmail.com. And you can find us on social media at redinthedarkpod. We also have a book club. You can find us at Warnpage Library on Instagram and Tumblr, which will have details on how to join our Discord. 
Keep reading, and we'll see y'all next time. Bye. 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 Bye.